0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath.
2: Hey, it's t Smarty 5 12.50 a.m. The Fan, another edition of Curd and Long. Ryan Horvat off today, the host of BetMGM Tonight. Of course, part of the BetQL Radio Network, really my host Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, and I got a special co-host today. He is former Packer offensive lineman, all pro for the Carolina Panthers. Mike Wall joins us. Follow him on Twitter at MikeWall68. Check out his website, of course, perform.com, And, of course, his Black Party podcast, uh, as well, Mike, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it.
1: Uh, absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
2: Uh, okay. So I, I want to go back before we get to the Rogers drama uh, and everything going on with that. I mean, you left right before Rogers came to Green Bay, like literally missing by a year prior mm-hmm. to him getting drafted. What was it like towards the end there? Because that was getting kind of towards the end, I guess, of Brett's career uh, as they were getting ready to draft Aaron Rodgers. Because Rodgers then was put in the same situation where the Packers thought maybe he was getting to the end. Uh, and they were drafting Jordan Love. And he probably didn't play as well those last couple of years leading up to that draft pick uh, of Jordan Love. You were with Brett uh, at that point. Did it feel like maybe his time was coming into an end uh, in Green Bay at that point? Honestly, no. Because
1: we you got to remember, in, I think it was 2005 that we all moved and, and Ted Thompson came in and became the GM. And when he came over from Seattle, I think, you know, he was going to do things his way because I think Sherman had been GM for a while and and that's just how it goes. Right. So there's a change into the guard a little bit, but there was a lot of talent that left that, that locker room in 2005, myself and Marco were on the line in particular. And Brett voiced his opinion on that. As I recall uh, that, you know, that he, he felt like that was really cutting out some, uh, one of his legs of his chair and they ended up going like four and 12 or six and like some real bad record the year after that. And then things started going a little, you know, in a different direction with Sherman and, and, you know, Ted's getting more power in the building and whatnot. But Brett at that point, you got to remember, we had just come off, I think the 2003 season, we went to Philly and lost in the fourth and 26. Then the next year we started really like really slow, but came back strong, ended up losing to the Minnesota Vikings. We had a depleted team at that point. Chad was out amongst other guys. and. um Brett was playing at a high level, you know, Brett was, you know, he wasn't three-time MVP anymore, but as far as everybody knew, he was kind of the league's darling and everybody loved him and he was playing, you know, we, we, those guys are such different players. It's just, it's tough to even talk about because as good as Brett was, Aaron's like way better, you know, because he doesn't throw all those picks. And so it doesn't, this feels a little bit different to me for a number of reasons, but, but I can just say looking back then, Brett was at playing at a high, high level. It's inevitable. I think what Packer fans or what maybe Green Bay Packer people don't understand, is, or players even, is like, they're going to replace you. They're always looking to replace you. And sometimes people think they're untouchable, and they're not. And okay. that's kind of what we're dealing with.
2: So I I want to get into the rodgers Favre comparison, too. But before we get that far, because obviously then you left, like you said, uh, and Marco went to the Cowboys, you went mm-hmm. to the Panthers. So how was that parting of the waste? Because like Alan Lazard is talking today about, I didn't seem like they really wanted me anymore. I'm sure they'll be fine without me. Rodgers has been complaining about how they let vets go and kind of how this whole process played out with him. Obviously, I've never been on an NFL team. I'm not sure how it's supposed to go when you get mm-hmm. released or if you, they decide they don't want you in free agency. So you can speak more on that, obviously.
1: Yeah, I, it's an interesting situation, right? Like I, I was kind of looking to... I. I thought it was time for me to not be there anymore. And so I, I was I was happy. I wanted to go find somewhere else to play. I wanted to go find somewhere else where I could, you know, there's a couple of things going on in the building that weren't I wasn't really happy with. Mike Sherman called me into his office that, hey, we want you, you know, this is before Ted. And hey, we want you back. And will you give us kind of a lot of things, a lot of times these all these these general managers will go, hey, will you give us right of first refusal? Sure. And I you just go. Well, no. Why would why would I do that? Just offer me a contract, like if you. Don't, right. Why why would I put the power back in your court? So, that was kind of an awkward conversation. I think leaving like my last conversation with Mike before free agency, and then when Ted came in, I think Ted was, I think Ted maybe stated in the paper at some point that he didn't think guard was a very valuable position. And you know, he yeah. said that in some way. So Marco and I kind of knew it was time to bounce. Um, for, you know, probably for different reasons, but I never had any ill will whatsoever against the green bay packers about how things ended at all it was it was my decision to leave i think more than anything else i, I very certainly could have stayed and still made a lot of money and still had this and sure. that um and i can just say this it, it with green bay in particular and i don't know this new regime and you know with with matt Lafleur and you know everybody that's kind of running the show right now but the grass is not greener when you leave green bay it's not, it's the best place in, in, in the NFL to play football. It's the best stadium. It's the best, it's the best fan base. It really is organizationally. You don't have an owner. You don't have to deal with that side of it. It is the best place to play, to play football. If you, uh, if you're tired, I want to play in the NFL. This is what I want to do with my life guy. You can't beat it.
2: You know, that's, that's the, the, the other thing about this is because Ted was dead wrong, obviously. It took him forever to replace you and Rivera ed uh, Edgar going forward that was just a complete disaster uh moving forward but it, as you think about this now from the brett and aaron standpoint and like i said obviously you were gone before he got there but i remember the training camp when brett decided he had the emotional crying i'm done i'm retiring and so forth everybody thought he was done and then no i want to come back and he tries to break into family night and all that drama that goes on and then that first training camp there were little kids holding aaron you suck signs that their parents made from him or whatever I'm like, this, he didn't do anything. Like he did nothing wrong. He didn't say anything wrong, nothing. And he's getting absolutely lambasted. And Aaron, it always felt like was, I'm not going to throw picks like Brett. I'm not going to do what Brett does. I'm going to do what the playbook says. And as time went on, it became more and more kind of like how Brett went as far as kind of doing what he wanted to do. Even with LaFleur, running old McCarthy stuff at points Uh, and then getting to the point where now he's leaving. And here we go again for the last several years. Well, I don't know if I want to play anymore. Uh, Let me think about it. And I swear to God, Mike, we're the only organization that when quarterbacks are at the end of their career, we go through this. I put on Twitter, I said, if Jordan Love does this, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. That'll be three in a row. We can't can't do this anymore. I don't understand. And you can help me understand this why he would say something like, well, I was 90% retired when I went into my darkness retreat and then I came out and found, they wanted to find out that they were trying to trade me. And now I want to play again, but no hard feelings. But if you're playing because they want to trade you, isn't there hard feelings? Isn't this kind of like bread of, I'm going to show you that you shouldn't want to trade me. And it's all about me versus you now. That's how I read it.
1: So they're not an owner in green Bay, And as, as good as that is in some ways, You know who's who's really running the show, and like just think about the tenured quarterbacks that are at this level. There's there's Aaron, and they're right. Tom Brady and just retired. Tom Brady had Bill, and and you know, despite whatever narrative you want to give out, and whatever somebody might say in the news, I'm just telling you, Bill Belichick runs things a certain way, right? From from you know who's coaching to who's playing who's getting drafted who's in free agency what plays we're gonna bill does it a certain way he's got his way of doing business and it there there comes a time when a guy like tom a guy like aaron Rodgers, a guy like brett thinks that they are well and rightfully so and it's like how many commas have been made in other people's paychecks because of aaron Rodgers? oh for sure players right so he it's not like Aaron's Aaron's really smart we can tell he's a really smart guy so he like it's not like he doesn't know that but what happens is Aaron says okay I'm I've got this 180 IQ or whatever and I'm so smart at football and Mike McCarthy is now that relationship's getting stale I don't like the offense whatever it is and they bring in a guy first coaching job young almost the same age honestly, probably does not have the football IQ that Aaron Rodgers has. If we're just being, you know, sure. that's not that's not a knock him out of the floor. It's just that's how smart Aaron is. And 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 he's been in the trenches for 15 years. So now they got a guy who's basically Aaron's guy, right? There's not like, it's not like Matt's coming in and saying like, nah, you're going to run my stuff the way I want you to run it. You know, he's not doing it like Bill did it or Bill does it, right? Right. So when you get to that, now at this stage, What's interesting that nobody's talking about, to me at least, is like you have these three you thirteen and three years, but you keep getting out early, and the team does not look good. The team makes the same mistakes year in and year out. Like the culture of the team is is not one where it's like we're building and we're stacking these these wins up and and learning and developing, and then you have a year like you had last year, and Aaron wants to get out, and I kind of go, kind of yeah. How did we not, how did you not see this coming? you know this is this is more a commentary to me i'm like he doesn't think the pieces are in place maybe not from a player standpoint but maybe other other places in the building pieces aren't in place to win a championship and he knows it's time to go
0: okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road
2: See, Mike, I looked at it, and I said this on a recent Curtin Long podcast. I think they set it up to be this way. They were trying to figure out how are we going to get him out of here. And the only way we can get him out of here is if this thing kind of goes backwards. So you know what? We'll give him a bunch of rookie wide receivers. Hmm. We're not going to give him much help outside of that. Uh, And let's see what he does. Let's see if he puts in the extra time at the OTAs. Let's see how long it takes him to develop chemistry with these guys. And then, in my mind, they had the perfect storm hit. Bakhtiari couldn't stay on the field. He was having all kinds of problems going back and forth. Watson gets hurt. Romeo Dobbs gets hurt. I mean, all these guys get hurt. It wasn't just Aaron's fault. Did he play as well? No, he didn't play as well. But there were so many other factors that screwed up that offense last year other than just Aaron Rodgers. But now from the Packers standpoint of it's well, not 13 and three anymore. Looks like he took a step back. Time to move on. Aaron, we're going to go with the guy Jordan Love. And the other aspect that I'm still nervous about is I think Tom Clements deserves a lot of credit. Tom Clements came in uh, and Jordan Love took a big step from that previous year so what we saw this last season and my nervousness is is he going to go back and retire again if and when Aaron Rodgers isn't here because he was with Arizona with Kyler Murray. He won rookie of the year. After that year, Tom Clements said, I'm good. I'm out. Don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Out he goes. Kyler Murray probably hasn't really been the same since that year. Mm-hmm. He comes here and in his first year immediately makes Jordan Love look like a better quarterback. That speaks highly to what how good Tom Clements is. So that's the next domino that I'm curious to see how this whole thing is going to go. But for me, it looked like that the front office said, we're going to see how much you really want this and gambling that he wasn't going to put the extra working with his, with his wide receivers and not want to do all that stuff mm-hmm. and figuring this was their way to get out if they didn't have a good season. And if he did put in the work and they did play well and he showed that he was dedicated, then they would feel better about going forward with him. Yeah. There's, there's probably some truth that they're, listen,
1: everyone's trying to create a narrative. There's no sure. question about that. I, I would just, I would counter you by saying this, Aaron's never there in OTAs. Right, like this is this is not a new thing. He's he's always prepared. He knows the offense better than the coaches do. He can yep. teach the offense to the coaches. Um, he can make every throw in the book. He's got the he's got every he's literally has everything. So, and, and when we talk about OTAs, it's an easy narrative now for the last ten years. But you got to remember, I didn't have OTAs. None of us did.
2: You guys had mini camps though, we wasn't had, it called mini camps two, back then? We there? had
1: two three day mini camps. Yep, and we had an eight day mini camp. So we were there for less, you know, two weeks total. In the entire offseason, and we managed to get everything done right. Yep. So that narrative to me, it, we, to guys my era, we we kind of go this. I don't think OTAs are very valuable at all. Like I've I've been through them. I've been through them on the coaching side. They're they're really not valuable at all for the player. The player needs to get bigger, faster, stronger, become the best version of themselves, get more technically sound, etc. They can't do that during OTAs. Sure, I do agree with you from the narrative standpoint. The problem that I have with your statement, your hypothesis, is that once. Aaron Rodgers leaves the building. Matt Lafleur, Mark Murphy, Goody, all those guys. That red button on their, uh, that red dial on their uh, desk is going to start flashing, because the timer is going off now. You don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. Let's see how good, let's see how well let's see how good you drafted. Let's see how good you're developing talent in a vacuum, right? Without without Aaron Rodgers bailing everybody out, making every making the throws that make your players look good getting rid of the ball so, you're, so your offensive line looks better than they really are. All of these things, they're all, everyone's on the clock now. There's no, the, the curtain is pulled back. There's there's no, unless they're really confident in what they've been doing. Because again, I go back to when I watch this team and I love watching the Green Bay Packers, but the mistakes that were made two three years ago were made two years ago, were made last year. I don't see this like, progressive development in certain areas of this team that you would expect given the fact that they were 13 and three so often. So it will it'll be interesting to see. Let's at the very least, like Jordan Love, man, that's a tall order to fill.
2: It is. Uh and it'll be interesting to see which way they go with the draft because for the last mm-hmm. decade they've draft defense early um and kind of go don't go offense. And I'm going to go back to my other idea that I had about how this all went wrong and say you watch him take a wide receiver in the first round now after this whole narrative of they won't draft wide receivers for Rodgers. watch him take a wide receiver in the first round and Goody be smiling on TV and clapping his hands when they get a wide receiver and Rodgers just fuming mad. I'm sure uh, at that point, L- let's talk about this compensation thing because I-, I-, I saw you on Twitter kind of trying to go back and forth with this compensation idea. My, my whole thing on it is, I think you kind of got to act like a crazy person. If, if you're Goody and Mark Murphy at this point and just say, look, We've already got him under the cap. It's going to cost us $10 million less, even if he doesn't play. If we send him home and be like, we're good, we're going to play Jordan Love. You don't have to be on the sidelines, Aaron. You can just go home. No problem. We don't need you here. You can just go home and watch next year. We'll still pay your $59 million, but we're going to play with Jordan Love. It's not going to cost him any more money. Now, they could get screwed. The biggest way they get screwed is if Rodgers, and maybe he would do this, retires and then waits till August and then unretires and then... That number comes crashing back in, and then they've got problems. That could create a, uh, you know, a sideshow, obviously. Which,
1: which is exactly what I do. If they were, if they were pulling that sun on me, yeah. Correct. Right. Right. So
2: that would be the one way it goes sideways. But if you're talking to the Jets, just like we're not taking a second round pick and calling it a day. Like that's just not going to happen. You're going to have to give me more than that. Uh, and next year, why do I want next year for you? Obviously, want it because you think you can be a Super Bowl contender. Well, if you're a Super Bowl contender, that means that pick is going to be like 28, 29, 30. I want 13 this year before he gets his, his chance to get there uh, and have success. And if they don't get 13 in the first round, you can tell me all you want about seconds next year and thirds of the year after that and all that. I, I just I, I don't view it as a good deal if, if they don't at least get 13 in the first round this year. Mike, what's the minimum for you as far as minimal compensation? this is baseline. This is all I'm willing to take.
1: It's not a first round pick for me. It just honestly, a first round pick just doesn't make sense. It, it really does just does not make sense. Cause you just don't know what you're going to get out of Aaron. If you look at it from the Jets' standpoint as as exciting as it is. And you, everyone thinks they're a player way, but ev- you know, the reality of like the numbers behind actually winning the super bowl, because you brought in Aaron Rodgers are still astronomically low. Um, I would, I would guess that it's somewhere between a second and third round pick. It, you know, it's got to be the breaking point. Maybe they throw an extra thing in there, an extra fifth rounder or a sixth rounder in there. Down the road, if if they're holding out for another month and a half or something like that, but it'll be interesting to see if Woody Johnson treats this like an astute businessman or a fan. Fan. You know, that that yeah, that'll be that'll, that'll bank it on that that pan, that part will be really interesting. You know, the other side of this too is is like, and I know, I know this is a hard business, but there's a part of me that goes, you know, this guy did a lot for you, your personal bank accounts, um, your jobs, your careers for 15 years. Like if the guy wants to go, don't, don't, you know, roll him over the barrel here. I mean, just go, get a deal that seems fair. And I know the Brett Favre deal that people were talking about is not, that's, this is a different situation with a different quarterback and a different time in his life, but to, to hold out and say, you know, we want a first and a second next year. I, I, I do personally think that there should be a, compens, a compensatory pick if if he ends up playing more than two seasons or two seasons or more. Like there should be, a, the, hey, we're going to give you something else later right. on. But but to say, hey, we're going to take the 13th pick in the draft this year. If I'm the Jets, I'd go, no, you know, go ahead, you could sit on it. Aaron can can retire right now. And and to think that Aaron hasn't thought of all these things is, you know, from the Packers' standpoint, would, would be pretty naive.
2: Correct. Yeah, I'm banking on Woody Johnson being a fan. And being like, guys, we have nobody else, and we are not playing Zach Wilson again, so give them the damn picks. I don't care. Just get this deal done so we can move on with our lives going forward. I think that's what happens. Just like Jerry Jones would get overly emotional, or Al Davis, or whatever the case may be. They want their guy. They're going to do whatever they have to get that guy. Uh, let's talk about it from a Packers standpoint. So Rodgers goes to the Jets. Okay, that's done. You get Jordan Love back. This offensive line last year, Bakhtiari, when he played, looked good. So. Really good. Providing he can be on the field, you're good. Elton Jenkins, you would assume, is back at left guard. Played better at left guard than he did at right tackle. He had some issues at right tackle. Maybe he still wasn't fully healthy. Don't know. But he's at left guard. Then you start getting into Zach Tom. Uh, Yash, who they have a second-round tender on right now uh, as well. Uh, Runyon, obviously, at guard, is, is another thing. Are you comfortable with what they have at, at on the offensive line, providing Yash is back?
1: Providing Yash... Uh, no, because I think they took it. I just don't know if the step they took back last year was because they lost Billy Turner. They didn't have a right tackle for the first half of the year was because they lost Adam Stanovich in the offensive line room. And they just, that, I mean, Adam Stanovich did such a good job with a depleted roster the two years beforehand. And then he comes out of the room. All of a sudden they don't play as well. It like, it just, it's hard to, it's glaring, right? It, Cause they played a standard deviation different, in my opinion, last year from the year before and the year before that. So you're going to either have to, A, hope that Bakhtiari and Elgin Jenkins take all these guys under their wing, including especially maybe most importantly, Josh Myers, because he took a big step backwards that's last right. year, yep. right? So you have to figure out why those guys are not playing at the same level. You have to do a deep dive into your coaching staff and everything that's going on there. And then you have to figure out if if you feel like everyone's, the development schedule is what it is and these guys just aren't where they should be and i'm, I'm really talking about jo- josh myers and, and the right tackle whoever it may be i would go out and try to i would have gone out and tried to get got somebody a free agency and then if not you just go there's a couple got right tackles that you can pick up in the draft a couple good guys get, get out of tennessee i don't know if he'll be around but good player yep so there's a there's guys out there that can be uh enforcers there's guys out there that can kind of change the attitude of this because that this offensive line of anything what they are not is they're not a bunch of guys that are going to get in a street fight right they're not enforcers and you would love to have a handful of guys on the on the line that are that so even if you could go grab a, a rookie right tackle who's just got some mean in him that would be a fantastic addition for this offensive line bakhtiari is an all pro he's playing at all pro level when he's healthy let's hope he stays healthy but the rest of the guys along the line You just want to find that guy who's kind of the the street fighter. And I don't know if he's on the roster right now.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
2: I think when they hired LaFleur, in Murphy's mind, it was about finding the guy that was going to be able to convince him that he could keep this team at a certain level after Aaron Rodgers without a Hall of Fame quarterback. And he was looking for somebody that could sell him on how they were going to do that. And I think this offense that he proposed, which is probably similar to the Shanahan offense, was probably how they were going to do it. Don't need an all pro, need a really good defense, which we'll get to in a second. Um, and obviously you have to be able to run the football. I've heard over the course of a time as a fan and kind of a draft dork um, that, you know, every offensive lineman is kind of different, right? You got the all pros that can pass block and run block and they're great at both. Fine. That That's what that is. But then there are other guys that are just more maulers and more run blockers more than they are pass pro, and that's not their thing. And in past years, maybe the Packers have kind of looked more for the pass pro guys and not worried about the run as much. With it now being Jordan Love, do you think maybe that philosophy changes as far as what they're looking for in the draft with this offensive line?
1: Well, it'll certainly depend on, on how they how they change the offense in order to uh, play to Jordan Love strikes, right? And if you look at the San Francisco 49ers, for example – they're, they're the most fun offense to watch in the league. Aside from maybe the Philadelphia Eagles are just a different animal altogether. Like Jalen, Love and Hurts aren't the same player. Right. Their offensive line is so much better than everybody else's. But let's just look at the San Francisco 49ers. Like, what do they do extremely well? Like, because their offensive line, everyone, they get a lot of credit. Trent Williams is a bad dude. He might be the best player in the National Football League. But the rest of them aren't really that, they're not great players. Like, they're they're solid. They're well coached. They But they've got a great scheme and they've got George Kittle and Kyle Ushek and those two guys make more of a difference as far as the speed of their motions, the physicality of their play, the way you can line up at different positions and attack defensive ends, linebackers, inserts, etc. They do that at a at a higher level than anybody maybe anything we've ever seen in the National Football League. And so what happens is you start looking at those skill utility players, five-tool players, can we use those guys like Alan Lazard was to a certain extent for us. Can we use those guys to backfill the fact that our offensive line isn't that necessarily that physical. And then you get those guys saying, Hey, we're going to run downhill a lot. We're going to be doing a lot of these keep passes. You're going to be able to take shots on people. You're going to, you're going to be able to use that physicality. Oh, and by the way, eight to 10 times a game, you're going to have to pass pro for real, like one-on-one mano-a-mano. You have to win this matchup. That is a very, very user-friendly offense that any offensive lineman would love to be part of. So you don't have to like change the way you're drafting, change your philosophy. Go get great athletes, make sure they're they they love football, they love to work, they love to be physical. And if they're good at one thing, not the other, we can kind of make that happen, but you have to have those pieces in place. A la a really good tight end, a la maybe an H back or an F back that you know that that loves uh loves some contact.
2: Let's talk about the fullback position. It's become pretty much, uh, you know, uh, something that doesn't occur anymore in the national football league. The Niners use it very well. If they are going to look towards more going towards an offense like that, is that something you look at investing in uh, in the draft? And you don't have to do that early by any stretch. You can do that on day three of the draft to go get a big, nasty fullback to be that lead blocker for an Aaron Jones or whoever the case may be. Yeah. You,
1: I I think it's right now. Fullback is going to be, listen, the pendulum swings. So, and very simply to, to make this simple for fans out there, when I was playing off uh, offensive line, in the national football league, uh, there were Jeremiah Trotters in the world that weighed 255, 260 yep. pounds. LeVon Kirkland just retired. He was 285 pounds. Okay. The linebackers now are like 235 and that's a big linebacker. And so when you, there's a couple things that happen. One, they can run sideways. They can't really go downhill that well. And two, the insert points for a fullback, it, it just hits different with linebackers. They don't understand how to fit the right way. And it's almost like I ran the, at the Naval Academy, run the option. And a team, that the idea being like, you need more than a week to figure out how to really defend this. It's kind of the same thing with these fullbacks. So the pendulum's going to swing back. And people are more and more teams are going to start using these effective fullbacks because the linebackers don't understand how to fit right. They don't know how to take on a 250 pound guy that's going straight downhill at them. Like the the geometry of the game changes when you put that player in. So I don't even know if you have to draft a guy. Like I'll just give you a name. There's a kid from the Naval Academy, defensive end uh, Paul Quisenberry, he's been on the Houston Texans. He might be going to you know, he's been talking to some other teams in the off season, but he was a defensive end in college, went to the Marine Corps, 28 years old. He calls me up. He goes, I'm going to play fullback in the national football league. He's been there for two and a half years. So you can find him, right? You can go find guys because it's just one of those positions. It's like glorified guard, right? Can you take a, do you have a little bit of, you know, grit to you? And, like, are you willing to give out and dope and take punishment? If you're willing to do that, man, you can play fullback in the National Football League.
2: Yeah, that is, that's wild. So, I'm talking with Mike Wall. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Wall68. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the tight end position. Uh, a position that uh, they just saw Robert Tunyon leave to go to the Bears on a one year deal. I didn't see that one coming. I figured he'd leave. I didn't see Chicago, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Robert Tunyon's gone. Mercedes Lewis, everybody figures, is following Aaron Rodgers, even though the Jets are like four deep at tight end already. Uh, so we'll see where, where, where that goes deguara I don't know. I, I don't necessarily know if he's the answer uh, that position. I floated out uh, the idea uh, that some people are okay with some people aren't of why not just draft the kid, the tight end from Notre Dame mayor. Uh, and then if you do have multiple ones, just take Kincaid with the other pick draft two tight ends in the first round. And because they're both different Kincaid and mayor, they're both different players play like Belichick did back in the day with Gronk and Hernandez. Uh, and take even more pressure off of Jordan Love. It gives you more of an advantage at running the football uh, as well. You don't need as many wide receivers that have to be all pro-type Devontae Adams wide receivers. Uh, cra- again, it's crazy and unheard of to take two tight ends in the first round. I get it. I think both those guys are really good uh, and could really fit into what I think they want to do uh, in Green Bay. How would you approach that position?
1: I, I completely agree that that the kid from Notre Dame is is something I would target early in the draft if I had the opportunity to. Um especially now that Aaron's gone, because if Aaron was here, he'd go, well, I think it's going to take a lot for him to learn the hand signals. Yep. Right. So it, yeah. might be, <laughs> it might not be worthwhile, but for, for that year, but he's, he seems like a guy who could do it in the run game, in the past game, he's a Bubba Franks. He's a Mark Chamura. He's yep. a guy that can play in the red zone. You need a guy. It it's hard to stress how important when you actually, when you sit down and just watch football all the time, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to stress and impose the, how difficult it is for defenses to play against a, like a George Kittle or a Kyle Juszczyk or the guys like that, that can actually stay in the game, the entire game block in the run, and Rob Gronkowski back in the day. Like it is hard to game plan for those people because all of a sudden your defensive ends aren't getting off the ball. Like they used to, your safeties can't, you can't keep up with them in the passing game. Like you don't know how to substitute when those guys are in all the time. It's just change. Again, it's just, it, it puts puts people in uncomfortable positions. So I think it's a premium position in the national football league right now that goes highly, highly overrated. Cause we look at guys like, hey, Travis Kelsey's is a, a fantastic, fantastic hall of fame player, but he's not really what I'm talking about. When we talk about the, you know, my right. traditional tight end, Kyle Pitts is a fantastic prospect an incredible athlete. Not really what I'm talking about. He's a slot receiver, right? Yeah.
2: But those guys that can
1: block, stay in the game, play four downs, catch passes in the red zone, like, you can't have enough of those guys on your team.
2: I want to talk about the defense before we uh, end this thing. So obviously they need safeties. I think everybody knows that a uh, branch from Alabama, maybe the first round will be there, even though he ran a slow 40. Uh, how do you go about, or what do you want to see change with this Packers defense going forward? Obviously the fans want Joe Barry gone. I think Joe Barry <laughs> saved his job by making the changes he made after the late bye uh, and they got better. Uh, whether that not that translates to next year, I'm not quite sure. But from you watching all the film, being a former offensive lineman, what do you want to see change?
1: I'd like to see you have uh, you have three first round picks right now in the backfield when uh, Stokes comes back. You just paid Rasul Douglas. Um, you would love to see Jai Alexander get the opportunity to be a premium cornerback in the National Football League, be a Jalen Ramsey-like cornerback, a guy who follows, a guy who mayors, a guy who gets to play. You know, hey, I'm going to take away this part of the field, and then build the defense around that, around that idea, and just let him deal with it. You know, like we did that to some extent. They did that versus the Commanders, and McLaren had a good day against him. And it's like, yeah. you'll take those L's, man. Like as a as a as a fan, as a player, as a teammate, like you'll take those L's. But lot you get your best players in those pivotal positions: offensive tackle, quarterback, defensive end, and, corner, and cornerback. And you ride with them, and you you have to be able to do that with with uh, with Jerry Alexander. I think in particular, you got to get some safeties that are willing tacklers in the alley. And and I think the problem with Darnell Savage and over the last couple of years, he's just he hasn't again. To the larger problem of the defense and the, and the Green Bay Packers, the problems have plagued us year in and year out for the last couple of years. They don't tackle very well, and they don't seem to do anything to improve their situation, at least on the field of practice. So, they're going to have to draft guys that are passionate about tackling. They're going to have to. They're probably going to have to improve uh, on on the edge from a, a a third edge rusher. So they have. I've loved, I love. Probably people complain about Preston Smith, or you know the PFF guys say those numbers weren't good last year. Preston Smith could have been the defensive MVP last year. Like the the, the level that he plays at in the run and pass game is really excellent. I mean he is a he is a he is an A plus run defender that people just he doesn't get credit for. You We're talk about game. those
2: free agent signings with Preston Smith, Darius Smith, Amos yeah. and Turner. Preston Smith still here. The rest probably yeah. not going to be here. I don't know about Amos, so whether or not he's back, but. Preston Turner, again, maybe had one year maybe where it wasn't where he wanted it, but mm-hmm. I thought last year he came back and gave you more along yeah. the lines of what you expected from Preston Smith, especially with Rashawn Gary getting hurt.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's fantastic. I, I, I just love the way he's played the last two years in particular. I think that uh, three years ago, you're right, him and Z, they both kind of had a down year after that first yep. that first season. But he's played fantastic. Hopefully he can continue to do that and play at a high level. Rashawn Gary's going to be back. We don't know when he's going to be back, and that that is kind of where lies the problem, right? Because he is a – Defensive player of the year, caliber at af- on his uh, when he as he was ascending. And now you're like, okay, what are we gonna get back? When are we gonna get it back? We need that other guy. Enick Bari had some flashes last year. I'm just gonna tell you from an offensive lineman's perspective, if you don't weigh 265, 270 pounds, I really don't care about you. Like you can, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like you can win a couple. I'm just being real with Like, you can win a couple. You know, here and there, but I'm not like, I'm not thinking about you. You're not part of my, you're not in my universe. I'm not game planning my, my deep, my offensive game plan around you. You just, you're not that important because I can block you with a tight end. I can chip, I can do all these things. You're just a speed rusher. So you need to get a guy who's an actual run pass threat, can long arm, can pull you into the quarterback, like has the weight behind him. And I don't know if they have that guy on the roster right now. So I would go really look for those two positions. You talk about safety, you talk about defensive end. And then, obviously, like use Alexander for what he is. He's a
2: premium corner. Use him as a premium corner. Uh, before we go, you were just in Germany. Tell everybody what that experience was like.
1: Yeah, it was cool. I was uh, I went over, and so the so football in Germany is actually huge. It's getting to be huge. You know, you know soccer, our soccer, their right. football is 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 the biggest sport there. But with the national football league going over for the last couple of years, now it was in it was at Bayern Munich stadium twice last year. It's I think it'd be two or three times this upcoming season. Football is big and they have the European uh, League of Football, which encompasses the the entire uh, continent. And then they have the German Football League, which is kind of their their league two, their their local league. So I went out and we had a coaching clinic. I partnered with uh, AFS 247 Sports and we had a coaching clinic over the weekend just teaching everything from. Organizational development, coaching hires, you know, how to to teach specific techniques and mindset development, et cetera. So things that transfer to the field, things that transfer to the player, things that transfer to your coaches. And then we went and worked with some uh, athletes on the field for, uh, you know, three or four days uh, in the ELF guys, the GLF guys. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun.
2: So do you ever see it getting to the point where the NBA is with international players getting drafted uh, into the national football? Because we really haven't seen it in the nfl like we do in the nba some years you, like Weminyama, this freak athlete that's you know gonna be coming over the number one overall pick in the nba draft in june mm-hmm. doesn't play to college here he's playing overseas do we see the nfl getting to that point with prospects uh, overseas
1: well, there's yeah, there's such great money in the National Football League now. I mean, it just keeps going up and up that you just have to imagine that when, you know, money drives all of this, right? The reason that nobody watches rugby or there's not great rugby athletes is because there's not enough money in rugby, but right. it's a great sport, you know? Yep. So with with that said, you have some guys that are coming over now. What's happening over in Europe right now is that you basically, uh, each team can keep a player, like a development player, from Europe or Africa uh, I think Europe and Africa are the two main oh I think it may be anywhere outside of the United States I, I let me correct that but you can keep them on the on the practice squad for one to three years with no penalty against the salary cap and so they're development players and they nice. have a there's a there's an international player pathway essentially and they have a everything's run out of the uh, the u k but i personally when you look at the athletes over there, the athletes are um just as capable as being successful in football because aside from quarterback, Sparky, honestly, man, like you don't listen, you got to buy a ticket to learn how to block or tackle. Like you and I aren't going to just like walk down the street and see some two guys blocking it out on the sidewalk. Right. (laughs) So if you, if you got a little bit of something to you and you're willing to take a lot of pain, you can ascend in football a lot faster than other. This isn't a skill sport like basketball or soccer where you got to play every day. Right. I think you're going to see a lot of guys Getting the opportunity to come over here and improve themselves over the next 10 years. It's going to take a little bit longer to stick, but that there's too much money in the National Football League for, for foreigners not to be desperate to get in.
2: I'm Mike Wall68 on Twitter, of course, a Black Party Podcast. Tell everybody about Process2perform.com.
1: Yeah, Process to Perform. is a company I started during, actually during COVID. Um I've been working with athletes, uh, some pro guys, uh, after my time in Miami as a as a skill development specialist. And I wanted to expand that opportunity to, you know, 13 year old soccer players, anybody who is kind of an aspiring athlete. I wanted to help give them the tools so they could take ownership of their careers and and find their ceilings. So we work on three things, mindset, development, technical mastery, and ownership decisions, which are uh, decisions made in the best interest of future you. And we do that through a four month program. uh, The last two months of which we teach you how to watch tape, like a master poker player, learn how to identify, assess, and correct your own mistakes, really take ownership of your career, you know, Uh, ideas and practices that not only work in sports, but we're going to work for the rest of your life. So I have a lot of fun doing it. Love working with athletes. Find me at process to perform.com.
2: That's awesome. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. I created long, man. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on.